Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter, beginning in the 11th verse. It's a story I think many of us know. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Homecoming. What comes to mind when you hear that word? Maybe the Comfort of your own bed after a long vacation, relaxing in your favorite armchair after a long day at work, being greeted by your puppy and the smell of mom's cookies after a day at school, maybe football games and parades celebrating high school and collegiate alma maters, or maybe there's that anxiety and uncertainty of how you will be received by your family after many years of estrangement, going back the house you grew up in, or remembering what cannot be returned to. Homecoming is one of the major themes of our faith. It is the journey to wholeness as we each seek to become our true selves, to reclaim our identity as God's children, and to rediscover our purpose and place in God's kingdom. It is a homecoming that has its origins and inspiration in the life that we first had in the Garden of Eden, a life we gave up for a taste of an apple. And because we desired to be like God, we were left to wander in many foreign lands, hungry and desperate. It is a story repeated throughout the Bible as the people of Israel forget and then remember who they are as God's beloved children. It's the story of a people who are constantly turning away and coming home. Throughout Jesus and his Gospels, all the way to the Bible's conclusion and revelation, we are pointed toward our ultimate homecoming, a return to life with God in the kingdom of God. It is the story of the prodigal son, It is our story, and it's the story of Walter Mitty. Today's movie is the 2013 film, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, starring Ben Stiller. 
And it's an adaptation of James Thurber's 1939 short story by the same name. Walter Mitty works at Life Magazine as a negative assets manager. This means that he is responsible for receiving, developing, cataloging, and archiving all of the film negatives photographers have submitted for the magazine's publications. It is a very important yet behind-the-scenes role that is misunderstood and undervalued. Walter works hard, and he's really good at his job, but he struggles to appreciate his own skills and self-worth, especially as that layoff looms as life transitions to a digital and online format. Mitty is an ordinary, somewhat ineffectual man who frequently escapes reality through elaborate daydreams in which he imagines himself as an adventuresome and courageous hero. Let's take a look. But let me ask you, you left a lot of this stuff, like, like the been there, done that section. You left it blank. Yeah, I think I skipped it. Okay, well, you've got to help me out here, man. Don't skip stuff. Okay, well, I haven't really been anywhere noteworthy or mentionable. Have you, have you done anything noteworthy, mentionable? Hello? You still there? Can you hang on a second? I heard barking, thought I smelled gas. Oh, I hope it's okay. I engineered a prosthesis for chips while I was sprinting down the stairwell. Little hip joint assembly with a drop ring lock and an interior pelvic band. God, you're noteworthy. I just live by the ABCs. Adventurous, brave, creative. That's everything I want in a man. My man. Hey, my man, you still there? Hey. Our scripture reading from the Gospel of Luke tells the familiar story of the prodigal son. Many of us who grew up in the church assume that this young man was a sinner who repented and came home to a loving father. But today I'm going to challenge us to consider this story through a new lens. One thing that I find rather interesting is that the term prodigal is never used anywhere in this text. It was a word assigned later to a few editors, but not all. In some translations of the Bible, it's given a completely different name. I looked up the word prodigal because personally I thought it meant sinner because of what I'd always been taught about this story, but it doesn't mean that. It means one who spends their wealth extravagantly, who lives lavishly and um, is very generous and abundant in their way of living and being. And in fact, in some cases, the text actually suggests the story is more about a prodigal father than a prodigal son. Second, the father seems to content to give the son his inheritance early, and he does not begrudge this request. The Jewish uh, New Testament scholar Amy Jill Levine actually says that um, while many people today say that this young man insulted his father by asking for his inheritance early, that in that time it was not unusual for what very wealthy men to give the younger son part of his inheritance so that he could go out and make his way in the world. Third, nowhere in the story is this young man identified as sinful, 
wicked, or evil. Now, he could certainly be considered foolish for the way he extravagantly squandered all his resources in dissolute living. But that doesn't make him a bad person, and he is not alone. Although the parable of the prodigal is traditionally read in light of the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, which come just before it in Luke's gospel, I believe that the stories that come after it also offer some insight into our text. Jesus tells the story of the strewed manager. He suggests using our worldly wealth to make friends for ourselves so that when it is gone, we will be welcomed into eternal homes. Jesus continues teaching, saying that those who are faithful in little will be trusted with much. And he relays the story of the rich man who watches from hell as poor Lazarus, the one he'd neglected every day on his front doorstep, sits up in heaven with God. All of these stories together seem to be calling us instead to a right use of what God has given us, whether that be our money or our gifts, or our talents, or even our life experiences. The prodigal son left everything. He walked away from his family identity. He wasted his riches and found himself hungry in a foreign land, longing for the comfort, status, and sense of purpose that he once knew at home. What is it that you hunger and long for today? We really don't know why this young man gave up all that was his, but it's not difficult to imagine a younger brother, the one who always played second fiddle to his father and to his elder brother, wanting to make his own way in the world. In fact, before we judge him too critically, isn't this what we actually expect of our teens and young adults today? We tell them to leave home, go to college, go out in the world, sow their own oats, discover themselves. And yet, along the way, we sometimes fail to appreciate who we already are in our efforts to become something that we're not. We get distracted chasing dreams that may not be our own, and we lose sight of our unique gifts and resources. And so it is that Walter Mitty thinks of himself as boring, ordinary, and unimportant. A self-image that's reinforced by that eHarmony representative's demands for more interesting items to be included in his online dating profile. But also in his new boss' complete rejection of Mitty's worth to the company, despite his strong worth ethic and his excellent track record. So Mitty copes by living in an imaginary world. He spaces out. But through these episodes, we get a glimpse of his dreams and his passions that part of him that is still waiting for expression. As the film progresses, Walter is obligated to go in a long search of the missing negative, number 25, the one photographer Sean O'Connell once on the cover of Life's Last Issue, the quintessence of Life magazine. And as he travels to Greenland and Iceland and Afghanistan, He begins to taste the wonder and the joy of adventure as he travels the world and overcomes challenges. And through these experiences, Walter gets in touch with the part of his life that had always been missing. Let's listen as he talks about who he used to be before tragedy struck and he had to give up his dreams. Hey, I was right on Sean's trail. Then I lost him. 
Strong little man. Thanks. Now, Rajkawis means strong little man, like 40 Arabic countries. And Buzkashi is goat hockey in Central Asia. I was hoping they would connect. Hmm. So you said that you left Papa John's because of the cups? Is there something I should be aware of as a customer? No, I just, uh, I worked there. That's all. I just, I used to have a mohawk and, uh, a backpack and I guess this idea of who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And, uh... Yeah? Nothing, just... Just, uh... I was pretty close with my dad. And... He died when I was 17 on a Tuesday and we didn't have any savings. So I got a haircut that Thursday and uh, a job same Thursday. Papa John's? Yeah. Your dad let you have a mohawk? He shaved my head. Oh, that's a good dad move. Yeah. Is it nice there? Yeah, it is. It's, it's really beautiful. I've always been fascinated by that curious yet important phrase in Luke's story where it says the young man came to himself. That is his turning point. It seems to me that he awakens to who he really is and really was all along. And he's ready to return home and accept his place in life with both passion and humility. He is content to be a servant in his father's house rather than chasing after more worldly aspirations. We see a similar transformation in this movie. As Walter embraces his natural adventuresome and quirky side, his daydreams become less frequent. It is as if he rediscovers and reclaims his authentic self. And this helps him appreciate himself and those who have loved him for who he was all along, his mother, his sister, and the photographer, Sean. Eckhart Tolle has said that you find peace not by rearranging the circumstances of your life, but by realizing who you are at the deepest level. Walter has found that peace and he is comfortable in his own skin. Having finally found the missing negative, he doesn't even bother to take a look at it before submitting it for print. And we are left eagerly anticipating the release of life's final issue with its cover photo representing the quintessence of life. Just Walter, being his ordinary self. 
life's greatest homecoming is about discovering who we really are. That person that God uniquely designed and gifted each of us to be. Because we have all been made in God's own image. And we are each inspired and equipped by God's Holy Spirit. Thus we can find ourselves and discover our purpose and place in life by listening for that divine spark within us. By reflecting upon our latent and sometimes buried dreams and passions and by welcoming the gifts that we've been given, whether they be talents and passions, dreams, um, knowledge and skills, personality traits, or unique life experiences, relationships and personal connections, or physical and financial resources. So as we go from this time and place, I invite you to spend some time reflecting this week. What aspects of your true identity have been covered up or are lying dormant? What gifts and graces have you maybe overlooked as insignificant or unimportant? What dreams have you set aside because of life's demands or the pressure to accept the values and expectations of others as your own? Who are you when you are at your best and feeling like you are living life most fully? What passions and possibilities has God placed within you alone for the purpose of blessing the world? In his book, Let Your Life Speak, the great Quaker theologian Parker Palmer says that our life's purpose is found where our deep gladness meets the world's greatest need. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says it this way for Christians, Brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give God your whole self your whole life, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Come home to yourself in God. In a few moments, we will gather at this table and share in Holy Communion. And here we remember that the God who created us, each and every one, welcomes us home with arms open wide, even while we are yet sinners, before we are perfect and complete. And we accept and we receive and we partake of that great gift of God's very self given for us so that we might know the freedom to become more fully alive. We remember that God's spirit is at work within us now and always and unites us together in service to the world. And so we respond, again offering ourselves and our lives in service to God and in union with Christ's offering. May it be so this day and in the days to come.